Good evening and welcome to Harmonics. Man, this is going to be a very exciting show. I can't wait to actually do this show because I have the beautiful Karen O'Walk who is going to actually interview me. Karen, what a wonderful feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is absolutely amazing that you're going to do this. So I'm going to let it all hang out and you go right ahead. Well, it's such an honor. You're a very talented musician, photographer, and what more can I say? So let's start out with your musical career because okay. that seems to be the high point and, and what's kind of defined you. So mm -hmm. tell me about your first experience with music. You know, my first experience, I think, uh, shoot, there's a lot of them, but the one that I could actually remember the most would probably be um, listening to my father probably sing to my mom. Aww. And um, I think the song that he sang, he used to sing to her, I think he used to sing Maria from West Side Story. That was probably one of the first things, because the love that they had uh, was so great, and my father and mother were just a great couple. And after that, I think it was then it became um, listening to like Elvis, uh, James Brown, and then of course uh, the most important date in in my life when I was young was February 9th, 1964, and that's when the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan and exploded on the scene. And how old were you then? I was 12 years old. Mm. You know, and it, so I, the, they were they were very influential at that because at that time you were you were just. I was a, a baby. Budding, budding teenager. <laughs> I was a budding teenager. Uh, it, it, was, it was totally um, off the hook, you know, to actually use a musical term by the Rolling Stones. But, I mean, to, to actually see John, Paul, George, and Ringo on stage was absolutely amazing to me. And how uh, what, what really captivated me was uh, the female element which when uh, they were on stage and there was only like 700 people in the studio, in Studio 50, uh, the girls, how they reacted. And then after that show, the, the preceding weeks, because they were on TV for three weeks or so, uh, I noticed a, a huge change in all the young girls that I knew, because I was getting into my teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> now, how, where did you start out in music? Did, were you playing piano, or what was your instrument? You know, I've, I wanted to be uh, a bass player at first, because Paul McCartney was left-handed, and I was left-handed. Well, when I'd go into music stores, there was nothing left-handed whatsoever. Mm. Uh, so it was really hard for me to actually get something left-handed, turn it upside down, or whatever. And my folks were hardworking, uh, blue-collar people. My mother worked in a school. My father was a, a teamster commercial artist. So um, my father, my first instrument was really um, guitars that my father actually made out of wood. Really? And we actually staged shows with the Beatles music behind us and the Stones or James Brown. And we'd actually perform in, in, in girls' backyards or in our backyard. And we'd have the whole neighborhood be there. And they'd be screaming. So I knew at that particular time, this was really going to be working, and um, it, it, it was quite amazing. But to actually, to, to actually, the birth I think was when I was going to Catholic school, and uh, how old were you then? I, you know, I was like, uh, I think I was seven years old, and mm -hmm. the, the nun kept on telling my mother, "Your son has a great voice." I didn't know if she wanted me to sing Gregorian chants or whatever, but I mean. I, I love church music because mm -hmm. you know when you're in a church you can really blast it out, yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
it's a spiritual thing, and I always like uh, watching Mahalia Jackson on TV because she used to, you know, she used to do spirituals, and I, and I just see this beautiful lady on TV, and I just, she reminded me of my aunt, my aunt Dottie, and I would go, God, look at this woman, she's blasting out. So I would kind of try to mimic her, but I couldn't really do all the things that I, um, that she could do, mm -hmm. until, you know, getting in the choir, and I still didn't want to do it, and then they gave me a solo piece. And uh, I hit it. Wow. And Can you say, still sing that song? Yes, I probably could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think but you're I not going to today. No, no, I'm not going to today. <laughs> but I think, you know, so, you know, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, I, I think I could probably nail it. If I, you put me on the spot, Karen. <laughs> that's <laughs> my job, right? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> so that's, that's what that. So you went from, okay, so then here you are, a teenager. Right. You're into music. Right. The, who are the, the people that you were playing with at that time? You know, uh, when, uh, when, uh, at that particular time, uh, it was kind of like a, a formation of guys when, when I went to, to junior high in Oakland, I uh, went to Hamilton, mm -hmm. and I had some great friends, and uh, the guy that was really close to me was Sam Zuvich, and he got a Gretsch, red Gretsch guitar, and uh, one of the pictures they'll show, show is, it's, we're on stage, and, and he was such a fabulous guitar player, so he called me up one day and he said, hey man, I got this Gretsch, come on over. So uh, we actually, figured out, he actually was figuring out songs, and I wanted to play bass, but he goes, no, I want you to sing. And that's how it all started coming to be, and we started, uh, we got into a, a band, we started learning about 30 songs at that time period, from the Rolling Stones to James Brown to the Young Rascals, uh, everybody, and we played them note for note, started doing talent shows, and then we started winning them. Mm. Then we knew that we had a... Um, you had something. Yes, and, and it became more, it became fun, and uh, it was a lot of fun. We played in front of like 10,000 people in, uh, in, you know, with Peter Wheaton and Bread and and uh, you know, post-raising band, and just, and, and we were the youngest guys, and we come up on stage, and there's 10,000 people in front of you. Now, how old were you then? Were 14. You? Oh, my gosh, you were just <laughs> young. You got, were... And got chased off the stage by hundreds of girls. They chased us off the stage. It was, it was kind of, it, it was a unique experience. I, I um, yeah, it was a very unique, I, I, you know. That could change your whole life. It I did. It, mm -hmm. it did to a certain extent, it really did. In a positive way? Oh, most definitely. In a positive way, of course, because then I knew that we had something, but then, you know, uh, Vietnam came. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam went to Vietnam and uh, he changed. It, it changed his life and he never came back. In fact, I just seen Sam, uh, Sam about um, 10 years ago and he searched for me for 30 years. Really? That's, a, that's a, a small little story where he actually came, we found each other, he found me through my brother on the internet and uh, he wanted to play at his old house with his, where his mother still lived and we played, it was just like old, old times and he wanted to thank me for, he wishes that he would have never went to Vietnam and that he would have stayed back because I, I didn't agree with the war and he uh, went and um, you know, changed his life. He's, he's a, you know, he's sort of like mentally disabled, but he's such mm -hmm. a great guy. He's still a great guitar player. And I love you, Sam. <laughs> you know. So, okay, so 14 year old, years old and you're playing in front of 10,000 mm -hmm. people. Where mm -hmm. did it go from there? We started doing, we started winning contests and then we started going on the radio. We started go, winning uh, KFRC. We won the best original uh, material 
Um, and, w and it just started uh, going further and further up. And then, you know, you start, when you start playing at first, you start doing covers. Mm -hmm. Then I started getting into a different genre of music. I started, uh, you know, that was the time period when uh, Zeppelin would come through and uh, the hard rock and the blues hard rock guys would start formulating. Uh, and the Stones were a huge influence on my life and um, started just kind of like looking at that and uh, being able, um, like at 19, I started playing in bars. And the first thing that, first bar that I ever played in, or nightclub they were called, we call them bars now, but they were nightclubs. The first nightclub, it was with go-go dancers. <laughs> and the first time I went on stage, I, I really even forgot the lyrics because I was just looking at the go-go dancer. So you nine, grew up quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very quickly. So it was um, an interesting um, kind of set of rules mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't know that the dynamics that would be coming my way and it was, it was, I grew up kind of fast and uh, realized that I still wanted to continue in the music because I played with some great players. Now, how did your parents feel about that? I'm sure they wanted to, to see you follow your dream, but right. yet you're getting into a very fast, fast life. Fast Yes. Uh, my parents wanted me to go to school, which I did, and I continued to go to school and uh, formed up with uh, a group... Uh, in 1972, 73. Uh, so with, how uh, old were you then? I was like 20, 21, 20, yeah, 21. And I formed up with um, probably one of the best groups I ever played in was a band called Peak. Played with Vince Black, Jerry Iman, Alex Sarmiento, and um, uh, my brother, Mark Correa. And uh, he was a drummer, and to this day, I mean, we're getting compliments still from that band. And, and we just took off, and that's when we really started getting into a higher level of nightclubs. Played in in, in uh, legendary nightclubs like Keystone Berkeley, you know, uh -huh. uh, you know, all in San Francisco, and you know, you know, all these nightclubs everywhere in Long Branch and out in the, you know the Sunshine Saloon and up in Katati and playing everywhere, and we were really getting well known. And played with a lot of great groups, you know, Y&T, Sammy Hagar. Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis was called Clover. Eddie Money, of course. Uh, Johnny Gunn, who wasn't called Johnny Gunn at the time. He was with Back Rows. So there was so much, the residents, there was so much involved, and it was such a, um, a great period in my life. I thought it would never go away, really. You know, you, 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 when you hang on to your youth, you, you, you think that you'll never get being mature like us right now. You know? So how do you go from just playing in your garage, to meeting all, like, Eddie Money and Sammy Hager and uh, all those big names. You know, th at that time, they weren't big names. They had not been discovered. Uh, we had an agent, uh, Ken Greenberg, from FM Productions, who worked for Bill Graham. So he was great, uh, Bill's uh, right-arm man. Uh, you know, and then we did showcases um, uh, for different people. And, of course, David Orwitz, who was the, the music lawyer who helped Eddie get in. Mm -hmm and he was getting ready to help us to get in. Um, got to meet Michael Sunday. In 1978, I was offered, uh, Peak was offered a two-record deal at $670,000. Michael Sunday is the guy that discovered Blue Cheer. I mean, I'm sitting right across from a musical legend. Uh, got to meet Clive Davis, who came down when Eddie uh, did a showcase for Eddie at the Long Branch. Um, and, and you start intermingling. What you start finding out is that uh, your family, it's not necessarily... Um, the talent-wise, it's if you're at the right place at the right time. It's all in timing. 
I would I wouldn't change anything at all what I've done. I would wish that I would have just got on that piece of paper and signed my name with my five others, uh, mm -hmm. where where we came so close uh, to actually sign our names because we were right there and uh, turmoil, you know, women, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, all that played a factor in why that actually vanished from us. Mm -hmm. you know? Interesting. Yeah. So the peak of your career, what? Where were you at that point? I think I was like one step away from actually peak of my career. I still think that my peak is still coming. You know, I, we'll just go on it when we when we go to that part. But um, that's why we called ourselves peak because we always wanted to put the hard work in there, and we knew we had because we were we looked so different than most bands. I mean, I had a black guitar player, Vince Black, who's a two-time Grammy nominee, uh, played with uh, Andrew Tosh, great guitar player, went on to other heights. I had Jerry Iman, who came from a religious family in uh, West Virginia, great guitar player, had a, played a Strat sound. I had the gentle giant, giant uh, Alex Sarmiento, who was a tremendous bass player to this day. Now he plays with Cold Blood and among other luminaries. Um, and of course, to me, I'm going to be a little bit biased, even though I think Buddy and all those guys are real great, and Lewis and Lewis Belson and all them. And uh, my brother, I still think, in my my opinion. Uh, is probably one of the best drummers in the world. Mm. Percussionist. He just he was born in it, and, and I'll take that till my last breath. My brother. What took you? Where did you go from music? From music, you know, I um, I had the I had I made the best decision of my life. I got married to one of the most beautiful women in the world. I married my one wife. Of your, one of your biggest fans. And my biggest fan. <laughs> I, I got married to to my wife Victoria, and. Um, we had three groups of children. I mean, I could have played, but... Were you still playing at the yes. time? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was still playing, even in the marriage, and, and uh -huh. that was really kind of like, um, you know, uh, tension, mm -hmm. uh, because there's other elements in there, and my wife was absolutely beautiful, and I didn't want to wreck that, so I had a choice, and she gave me a choice. I was supposed to tour Europe, and she, uh, we were engaged at the time. I was supposed to tour Europe for six weeks, and I made the right choice because I'm still married. Yeah. I have 30 years of marriage. I have three beautiful children, and uh, and lo and behold, now I'm back in the music scene again. Uh, and I, I feel really what it's really placed on me is uh, being really humble. You know, it makes you humble. It makes you realize that wow, you can still have this energy. And now I'm playing with a group now, uh, Incognito, uh, with Tony Dean, who, who's also a great drummer. Um, Charles Lopez, great bassist, and of course um, Derek Mushro, who it's like old days, old school, new school, and we still have the energy, and we're in our, I ain't even going to tell you how old I am. In your 30s. <laughs> in my 30s. <laughs> they can do the math, though. Yeah, you can. Now, how did you find those pieces? Uh, you know, uh, I played with a great guitar player who passed away, Jules Pelligari. Uh We just kind of search. You know, musicians are like a community. It's a little bit of a different community. It could be a little bit wild. Um, music is um, is a passion. It's an expression. It's a, it's really a way of life. Um, but now it's a little more relaxed because really you don't really have to rush out and think, hey, I'm going to get a record contract or this is what I want to do. Now you could actually produce your own CD. You could take your pictures. You could get on. The Internet has made things so much better for all of us. 
uh, it would, would be nice if somebody would Boy, say, it's sure, hey. It's sure changed. The whole music industry is changed. Totally. And, and I think that's a, a great vehicle. It, it, it's made us all aware of the power of the Internet. Mm -hmm. and, and it's still really, to tell you the truth, it's still at a baby stage. Mm -hmm. uh, one day we might be able to just get it on dial on your wrist or something like that and, uh, you know, you could pop it up. And, and in some cases you can pop up music videos on, on your wrist or on your iPhones and things like that. I, I, I have more energy, I think, now um, because I know who I am, I know what it represents, and I know that music is a gift. Um, and it's a gift and it's a lifelong journey. My father used to always say that. My mother would always say that music is a gift because when you see somebody, especially the group that I'm in right now, when you see us on stage, you realize that we have long lineage of musical history behind us. And um, uh, I'm just really, uh, you know, I'm just really grateful um, to having that. Now, you went from marriage mm -hmm. to children, mm -hmm. and I noticed you have a lot of pictures. Mm -hmm. You got into a little bit of modeling? Yes, I did. Uh, now, what you know, part of your life was that? That was like right after I got married. Uh, I got approached by a guy just kind of like on a, on a whim, a dare, and uh, went into this, uh, uh, it was called Faces International, and went into this uh, group of uh, photographers and people that were um, magazine editors and things and they said hey you know what we'll we will we want to make you a star well you know I heard that since <laughs> I've been 14 you know <laughs> Columbia Records was coming to my house when I was 14 and you know it's always you know and and it was kind of odd and my father wouldn't didn't want me to go to LA at that time because you know I'm 14 and the 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 producers would be the chaperones so he didn't want to do this. He Same wanted to raise his own child. That's right. My <laughs> parents wanted to do that. So, but w the thing at uh, with the modeling thing, it was just it's it just kind of like uh, blossomed into a few uh, few photo sessions. Did a thing for with Coke. Uh, had a big mustache at the time, and uh, and big hair. Big hair, <laughs> big hair, cat, you know, big, big hair, yes, of course. And then um, it just kind of, I did a few little things, got in a, a national magazine um, for uh, hospitals, talking about health, and uh, one thing I know that you're mm -hmm. an expert in. And uh, So it, that kind of was your way to... Express raise, myself. Yes, and raise your family. It, it Support your family? No, it didn't. It didn't do that. I was I was still into doing other, you know, working in the trades. But it 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 helped out. Maybe going to dinner with my wife here and there. You uh -huh. know, it wasn't really. A, it was more or less a, an outlet to to keep trying to create, trying to, uh, you know, we as human beings we're all creators. It's just, mm -hmm. if if you want to tap it, it's like when you when you write a song or write a poem. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's. We have all this energy, but yet a lot of people just consider they just want to sit down. I'm, I'm a mover. I want to I wanna keep going. I want to keep on going to the edge and see what that is. Well, I think you have a really interesting life because mm -hmm. it seems like you've gone through all these stages of defining who you are, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and it just makes you a, a really interesting <laughs> human being. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that um, because I think all humans are unique. And, but it's but if you could actually tap something and, and the tap that I tap was music because music is such an expression mm -hmm. and it's such an emotional thing I mean you can listen to music I mean I had my opportunity to actually um, sit with Bo Diddley mm. now Bo Diddley is a rock pioneer 
and he actually sat with Vince Black and I and said, you have the light. So when Bo Diddley, a, a rock pioneer, says Does this to you, you keep that with you. He's been one of my uh, beacons. God bless him. He's passed away. Uh, but I, I always use that as a point when I get down, well, Bo seen something. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, obviously he's seen something. It was great. I actually got to spend uh, uh, four hours with Bo Diddley. Wow. As a young man and uh, great guy. Elsie Goodrock and Robinson. Old rockers, old bluesmen are very elegant. If you ever notice how they dress, they always dress very well. Um, they, they were always aware of their surroundings. Uh, they, I really don't believe that bluesmen really got their dues uh, as much as they ha should have. I think the Rolling Stones have given them their dues because they always say where they got their influence is from the fountain of like Muddy Waters, Buddy Guy, you know, Howlin' Wolf, you know, Sunhouse, all those great. And I consider those guys um, like my uncles. Yeah, isn't, isn't the blues, isn't that the foundation of rock and roll? Most definitely. We'd be like, uh, we're all family. Uh, how I look at it, it was like the field hollers. You know, when the field haulers during, uh, you know, during the Reconstruction era, or even before that, when they were, uh, when uh, when people were slaves, and uh, that's why I think it started with, "How are you feeling?" You know, you're going out there doing that, and then somebody got some instruments and started playing, and then it became acoustic, and then, but then all of a sudden jazz came, you know, and then j from jazz. Then all the people from Mississippi, the poorest area in our country at one time, and they migrated to like Chicago, and then they became like electrified, oh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then that came, and then it was actually they were trying to kill that, and then what happened was a man named Elvis popped up because they needed somebody Elvis, to offset. Let me think. <laughs> you know, they, they had to move something because Elvis. I, I I had an opportunity to be close to BB at one time and overhear him say, somebody asked him a question about um, Elvis and B.B. in his elegant way just looked at the camera straight forward just like I am and he said, you know, Elvis sings like a boy from Mississippi. And I never forget, he didn't say, hey, he was black, he was white, because we all take, he just said, he sings like a guy from Mississippi. And I, and I said, wow, what a simple, what a simple thing because when you play music, there is no colors. Mm -hmm. I've looked out in my audience and I've seen the world. I mean, mm -hmm. and it's everybody, and it's and they're rocking or they're dancing to the tunes. And after the after party, there's everybody there because um, I believe that that's what we are. One day, hopefully, we become one world, one people, one love. And if that could ever work, I'm doing my duty when I'm playing on stage because that's what I see when I play. You know, it's kind of interesting. Now, I see that you have a CD. Tell yes. me about that. This CD is an accumulation. I played with a great guitar player who passed away, uh, Jules Pelligary, who actually sat next to Hendrix when Hendrix was discovered. Mm. And uh, at the Cafe Wa, uh, Jules was a... I, I met Jules years and years ago. And Jules was... Uh, uh, that's how Tony Dean and I got together. Jules was a great person, great guitar player. And this, this, this uh, CD is to his legacy and to Cool Blue's legacy. We were in a band at first called Sideshow, and then it came to become uh, how it travels, how our band has traveled now. It was Sideshow, mm -hmm. came to be Cool Blue, and the next in, uh, incarnation will be um, 
incognito. And so we continue that, uh, that journey through life. These are original songs. Um, How long ago did you make this CD? This, this CD was done uh, three years ago. And uh, Jules has been gone about four. He actually was playing his last notes when he was actually had, uh, uh, you know, cancer, and and he played to the very to the very mm. end. We we so we have s five songs on this CD, and a lot of people just love it because Jules was in his own right was uh, very well known. And and it was funny because we came together. We have a song called Rain Coming Down, which is our my signature tune, and it's our signature tune. Uh, that he, uh, him and I composed over the phone on a rainy night watching a poker game. <laughs> you know, so that's how it kind of happens. Music, that's how things kind of create. You, you could see something and, um, you know, like Talking Baby is actually a, a, a song about, uh, about my wife, Victoria, because she's sort of like my inspiration, you know, you know and, and so um, I use her as, you know, like Talking Baby or Ooh Yeah, 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 a new song that we're going to be coming out with Incognito. So I try to find all these creative outlets. Mm -hmm. you know, so. Now, Incognito, mm -hmm. what was the thought behind that name? Incognito is <laughs> sort of like a disguise. Mm -hmm. It's almost like how I do even here. We all disguise ourselves one way or another. If it's either a positive way, I always like to do it on a positive way or a negative way. Because that's how life is. It's positive, it's negative. But incognito basically became about, it kind of like when you say incognito, say incognito yourself. Ig to myself. Yeah. So or say it out loud. Igno 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 incognito. Incognito. <laughs> incognito is like, it's, it's mysterious. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes you want to know who are these guys or what do they represent. So... It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a mysterious it's kind. It's a mysterious. It, you know, and that's what it is. It's like, because people, when they see us, they, they think that... They're hiding. They're, they're, they're not revealing all... All what's in there. Yeah. And because we're, we're always going to be coming, moving forward, and giving more surprises to the audience and, and um, bringing a good show. Because we've played with some... Uh, we, we did a show about four years ago, Tony Dean, Jules, and, and I, and Johnny C. at that particular time. And uh, we were getting ready to play with these youngsters. And so they wanted to come and see us. So when they walked in, they, one guy goes, man, you're as old as my dad. We laughed to ourselves. <laughs> and we said, okay. And then we played. And then they said, we don't want, old, we don't want, we don't, we don't want you guys to open up for us. We want you to headline. Oh. And, what, and we asked them, what did you think we were going to be? Did, you know, see, because that's, that's the thing when somebody thinks that just because you might be in another age bracket, mm -hmm. we were young too at once. Music keeps you young. It, it gives you vitality, you know, so. And a lot of the music is all, it always comes back. It comes back full circle. Rappers call it sampling. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to um, really just, you know, create. I'm a creator. I mean, like tonight, I'll, I'll probably go home and write something about, in my journal, about this, but I'll try to use that as a, as maybe a vehicle of, you know, like, you know, I'm sitting at the table with this beautiful lady, you know, something like that, and just and bring it out like that and have my guitar player kind of run with it or, you know, and then we just roll with it. And then you get that concept. You get a chorus and a verse, and then you go and on And it just it. grows from there. Yes. Now, this book, you're in this. I'm in a book called Garage Bands yeah. from Then and Now, and... Um, I'm very flattered at that. It talks a lot about all the different things. And I'm Tower Power's in there. Greg Worley's in there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many great artists in there. And they're going to have a book signing. 
in um, yeah, they're going to have a book signing in uh, October, I think, at Barnes and Noble. Will you be there? Yes, I'll be there, oh, and I'm going to be uh, hopefully. Um, yes, I'll be there. So Barnes and Noble, that's where we could find this book. Yes. So now I'm getting a direction from our station mm -hmm. that we have one minute, and I could say that because it's really my show. But Karen, thank you. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. I, I'm. So I am totally. Flattered that you're here. Oh. And that she did it, but like at all times, is that okay if I take over? Absolutely. Because, you know, this lady's so nice to do this. Could you put on your shades That's for me? Absolutely. And if you want to be on my show, all you people that want to be on my show, I, Gregory Correa, would like you just to look at my website, but I like to say, Good night to all my friends. Karen, you want to give everybody a kiss? And bye-bye and God bless.
Nasceram